Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Hello and welcome to season two of Performance People with me, Georgie. And me, Ben. Our guests this time round have 38 Olympic or Paralympic medals between them, 22 of them gold. There are countless world records, 16 Everest summits and the man responsible for some of the greatest inventions of our time. And alongside them are their closest confidants. They will share what drives these exceptional individuals to their highest heights. Performance People is free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget, you can also follow us on our Performance People social channels. Now enjoy this week's episode. Joining us on today's Performance People are a husband and wife who've enjoyed unparalleled success competing on the water. Hannah Mills is the most decorated female sailor in Olympic history and now leads the British women's programs in both SailGP and the America's Cup. And alongside Hannah is her husband, Nick Dempsey, who's got three Olympic windsurfing medals of his own and has taken a path less trodden since retiring from competition. These two performance people are redefining the work-life juggle. I potentially got asked to do it again recently to go for Paris as a sort of late campaign, but. It, yeah, it took a lot to, to think about it properly and say and say no. I've decided to stop, well, change jobs. I've definitely not retired. But I've definitely stopped my coaching role as, as an Olympic coach and traveling over the, around the world. Hannah, my first question. Hello. How much sleep did you get last night? <laughs> I, I don't think I should tell you that, Georgie. Uh, yeah, we, we did all right on sleep, didn't we? I reckon seven, seven hours. Seven hours. How old, Sienna? No. Uh, she is three and a half months. Okay, how is this possible? Last night, and for the last three nights running, I've been up at 4.30 every single morning. How is this possible? I need you two more in my life to fix my sleep issues with Fox. <laughs> how is life? How is life for both of you now with Sienna in the world? It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Like, I would never have imagined how different and amazing it was going to be. I was not one of those people that was sort of, yeah, thinking, I, yeah, it was just amazing. Were you a maternal person before um, Sienna? No. I don't think so, no. No, Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not, there we go. No, I mean, I, I definitely always grew up thinking I would have a family and wanted kids and stuff, but then I think career and drive for that, maybe takes over a bit and so maybe you lose um lose a bit of perspective on on other things um so yeah it was definitely not a definite after the olympics we're gonna have a baby was it we had a good old chat about it mm. so nick have you seen a major change in hannah then because she's smitten isn't she with little sienna as she should be yeah she is i always i always told her she would be i said you know having your own child is very very special um but she definitely wasn't sure. She she kind of viewed it as a destruction of future life, as opposed to 
uh, you know, the best thing that could happen to somebody. Um, and I think she viewed it very much as an investment in her retirement to have someone look after when she's old. No, I didn't. You did. I, uh, I, I was just scared. I was just scared that it would just mean that I couldn't pursue the things that I cared about um, and career opportunities and things. So it felt like it felt like it would be a line in the sand, maybe career-wise, um, which was my biggest sort of fear, I guess. I wanted to I wait. I wanted get... to wait another three or four years. But, but I think we should get a close-up of, of baby Sienna so that we can see baby this performance Sienna. baby in the making. And everybody who's watching can understand what we're talking about here. There she is. Oh, look. Oh, she looks so happy and healthy. I can't believe you've got her just right at your side there and she's behaving brilliantly. Would that have ever know, happened in our in, world? Um... <laughs> she's also in one of your outfits, Georgie, actually. Not my outfit, Hannah. Not my outfit. I'm small, but I'm not that small. (laughs) (laughs) One of Bellatrix's outfits. Or Fox, maybe, I don't know. I think it's one of Bellatrix's many outfits. That's the problem. You go you completely overdo it with baby number one, I think, because you just get completely overexcited about all these different opportunities to dress them up. And then when you get to baby number two, you're like, no, 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 it's fine. You can wear whatever Bellatrix had, regardless of it being pink or whatever else. But you've got a lot of her hand-me-downs, that's quite right. We do, uh, we do. She's, she's got an amazing wardrobe. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm impressed. You seem to have the whole thing fully under control in, in uh, pretty short time, so good on you. <laughs> but, uh, it, it's now, still a game-changer, though, isn't it? we have it under yeah. control. It's a game-changer, yeah. 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 I mean, she, she can't move yet, so, yeah, she's relatively uh, under control, but once she starts moving, I think we might might say something different yeah Mm. just you wait until you take those flights Mm. when they're like 18 months old and they're desperate to walk down the aisle of a plane Mm. on its way to the far east or whatever that's a complete game changer (laughs) got all that to look forward to talk about talk about your traveling though with her because she's already been jet setting across the world and and hannah you came back so fast so within three months, you were back on the Cell GP boat, having had Sienna. So what was that weekend like? Were you nervous? Were you worried about it? Did you feel that it, it was too soon? Or did you feel that there was pressure for you to get back? I mean, how did that whole weekend play out for you? Um, yeah, I was really, really nervous, actually. More nervous probably than I've ever been about doing something. And I think the, the nerves were more just, I really... I really wanted my body to be okay and hold up and I had no idea you know I did a lot of work before we went to Singapore um, to try and get in a good place but there's nothing like going on an F50 you can't replicate that anywhere so yeah it was a complete unknown and then also with the racing you know I hadn't been on a boat for over a year hadn't raced for over a year and so I was pretty nervous about how well I'd do at that so yeah, there was a lot of nerves. I was pretty terrified, wasn't I? Mm. Um, but it, it felt like uh, another mental challenge that I guess as competitors you're used to dealing with and, and putting yourself in those positions all the time. And Nick, what about what about you? Because you you went with Hannah and you went as a family on that adventure and it's kind of set the tone for what's coming in the future. So just tell us a bit about, about how it sort of changed your outlook. Yeah, we... <laughs> Sorry. She will probably She's very chatty. Um, we definitely viewed Singapore as a real um, trial yeah. of how the future could look and how we would love the future to look. You know, is the dream to be able to go around the world as a unit. Um, but we didn't know how family-friendly it would be. We didn't know how Sienna would be. We didn't know how the environment would be for a family and how welcoming CLGP and Ben and the team ben would be. be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Because it is a performance environment. And you don't want to be the one there with a screaming baby um, upsetting the tone of the whole the whole regime. So it was, um, it did go really well, really, really well. And it has, um, I think it's allowed us to plan for the future a little bit better and make a few more decisions about how we go about things. So what does that look like? What are you, what are you saying? Well, um, I've decided to stop well, change jobs. I've definitely not retired, but I've definitely stopped my coaching role as, as an Olympic coach and traveling over the, around the world. That was very much going in opposite directions to the way we viewed it um, 
and how it could work. I think me going away one direction, Hannah going the other, meant that we just had a simple problem of, you know, who looks after Sienna? And, you know, you could potentially get some help there, but then it's always the decision of, you know, what do you want in life? Do you want to um, live as a family unit and travel as a unit? Or, or do you want to, you know, work? And, you know, all that pay goes on someone else doing it for you. So, yeah, so I've stopped that job, which was difficult, a difficult decision. It was my dream job. But, um, you know, other opportunities come along and we have it's right now. Yeah, right now we have a moment in life that we can just uh, actually take stock a little bit and, and actually live for once rather than just chasing work and chasing careers. Wow, that's a major concession to make, especially when you say it was your dream job. Yeah, it was my dream job. Uh, it was difficult to, to stop because it was very much an unfinished project. You know, we're only a year and a half out from the Olympics. And in that squad, I have people that can win Olympic gold medals. Um, and they're really actually starting to fire and the Olympic trials are starting in, you know, six weeks' time. So it's quite the time to take that decision. But for us, you know, we don't always make decisions based on our family. You know, actually, probably we're both pretty guilty of making decisions based on our on our careers and our wants and our drive. Um, but something has to give at some point because two people like this um, chasing stuff doesn't work. So... Um, so was there a moment us. was there a moment where the both of you came together i mean did something happen or was there a catalyst for this that you just said you know well, what we've got to rethink this i think the last 4 months we've been trying to put our calendars together and we kept either revisiting or ignoring the the fact that you know we'd look at the summer and we'd say it, it's not possible you know there is no one to look after sienna what are we going to do um, and we didn't really make the decision because it was such a, it was such a, you know, I, I had said, you know, I can stop coaching and I can do something else, but it was always, no, Nick, I don't want you to do that. I know that's the job you love. It doesn't have to come to that. But I think in reality, it did have to come to that, um, which I'm fine with because, you know, we get, it's not just to give up, you know, I, I gain an awful lot in doing that. Um, but it was the, it's the right thing to do right now for us yeah it's um it's an incredibly brave thing to do as well you know like yeah. you wouldn't do it <laughs> i couldn't i couldn't afford to do it the amount of money you spend there's no way i'm going to be working to the grave but it is having uh yeah having seen you you know nick it was really impressive you know like you say it worked really well having the family in singapore and you know as a fellow dad i was really impressive to see you know, how how much you enjoyed that as well, I think, for you, wasn't it? A great opportunity to spend time with Sienna. And I think that was a big, I'm sure that was probably a big part of the decision. Yeah, it was amazing. Um, and it was certainly my first time where Hannah had just, you know, here you go, good luck. Um, that it very much felt like I was the, I know it's not it's the wrong terminology, but to say the leading um parent in that situation the person that takes overall responsibility um and I was like Oof, okay good luck to me um especially living out of a hotel little child it's hot you know in a foreign environment it's not like it's at home where you've got everything on tap and you know what's going on so for me to come through unscathed and have a little baby girl that uh was still alive at the end of the week was a big thing for me and I was like oh okay I can do this I can do this I've got this. Let's, let's reverse that round though, Hannah, because what was it like for you? Because I know right at the beginning with Bellatrix and with Fox, like you, I, I don't know, some mums are not like this, but I am definitely a control freak around the children um, and like to assume that lead parent role. Um, so with that in mind, what was it like for you sort of saying, okay, I mean, obviously Nick's her dad, it's fine, but actually you're going off to do your day job and, you know, suddenly you and Sienna are not in that same dynamic as you're, you've been used to. Yeah, I mean, we'd had a few days before Christmas um, where I'd been into London for the day and so Nick had had a little little practice, hadn't you, um, of being that lead parent. I mean, we from from day one, we... 
we really wanted to make sure that um, Nick felt, I don't know, as involved as possible. I think it's easy as a mum to just completely take over because, well, I, I was lucky enough to be able to breastfeed and um, and do all of that. And, yeah, you just get into a rhythm of, of doing it all. Um, and so I think it's been nice to kind of reset that balance and, and for Nick to feel, you know, an amazing bond with Sienna now. I think having had that week in Singapore, I think that really changed your relationship as well. Um, but, yeah, it's... Uh, it is scary letting go. Um, yeah. Did you feel? Did you cause... feel? Did you feel guilty at any point? It's always the way, and I never happens with men, but it always happens with women. Where journalists ask the woman whether you know how that sort of whole dynamic is playing out, and it can be quite stressful dealing with that question again and again that keeps coming, and how the juggle works. I mean, did did it get? Did it ever at that on that weekend get sort of emotionally quite exhausting, um, as well as obviously physically a challenge? Um, actually, actually not. Like we were so lucky with the setup. You know, Nick and Sienna would come to the base in the morning, and so I could, um, well, I still I'm still breastfeeding, so I could give Nick the milk for when I was on the water I'd express before before we had to go sailing. Um, so I'd see them then, and then they'd be there straight away when we came back in. So it was it was sort of only a, a five hour window really where we we were apart. Um, so it, it was kind of fine. It's, it's the days where you're, you're in London for the day and, and you leave at six or seven and you don't get back till six or seven. They're, they're the ones that definitely pull a bit more um, and you, feel, you do feel a bit guilty. Yeah, definitely. So two competitive people living in one household. I mean, Nick, even though that you've parked this dream job for, Hannah described it as a sabbatical, it may be however long it is. Um, you still have that competitive spirit, right? You're bound to. That's that's sort of in your nature. So we talk, we've talked about this many times before with, with different couples who've sort of held these held these roles in the past in their past lives. How do you balance out your competitive natures, you two, living under one roof? Ooh, I would say we, we've worked on it. Mm, very hard. I'd definitely <laughs> say at the beginning of our relationship, probably for the first four or five years, we used to... Um, uh, definitely rub each other up the wrong way and um, we would you know we'd play sports with each other and it generally wouldn't go that well um, I'm Who would never win? that happy me me <laughs> <laughs> unbelievable unbelievable <laughs> anyway uh, what's yeah, the most competitive environment well what's the most competitive sporting environment you've ever put yourselves in against one another table tennis Could, yeah table tennis always table tennis yeah and how does that generally pan out? I generally I take a few games off Hannah. She generally wins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell us about that moment that you had with table tennis at the Tokyo Games, because I think it's a great story. Every, every, Olympic, games, every Olympic Games, the British sailing team has um, a table tennis in the, in the, uh, in the area, in our, the team area. And it's quite a nice bonding place. Everyone plays, you know, each other. Everyone gets involved. And uh, Hannah used to warm up every day playing table tennis. On this particular day, I um, was uh, giving her a game. And I am quite annoying to play. I chop at it and I loop it. And there's no, there's no backcourt rally no, when I play. it's not that good. That's the problem. Uh, but I can get it back, always. And uh, so I look shit when I play. And Hannah looks great and graceful when she plays and hits it with topspin and et cetera. Anyway, I beat her uh, two full games in a row. Yeah, yeah. And she got so angry <laughs> and so worked up that she didn't, I don't think she said anything. I think she smashed the bat on the table <laughs> and threw it. I'm not joking. She threw it full pace and it, I mean, straight past <laughs> my head. Uh, I, think it, I think it hit the window um, and just dropped to the floor and she stormed out. And from that moment, she wasn't allowed to warm up playing table tennis anymore. I think Saskia had had enough. Yes, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think that's was the... That, uh, was that, that the morning news. of a big race? Was that the morning of a big yeah. race? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was, the more, it was the test event. So the year before the Games, we always have sort of a practice. Like, oh, nice bet. Um, always have a practice. And that was the test event, which is a big part of the, the actual qualification for the Olympics. So it was one of those mornings. And I was just in such... A bad mood or day. The thing is, right, when you play Nick at anything, or maybe it's just me, but when I play Nick at anything, he's so smug. He's just so smug <laughs> and just, oh, he just knows exactly how to wind me up to get all of the reaction. 
So yeah, we've we've learned to. Um, I've stopped winding her up nowadays. We've learned. We've we've. Did learned. you, you, did know, you have a good day on the water? You... <laughs> did you have a good day? Almost on the water, certainly was not. It? No, that's probably why Sass banned me from playing table tennis. Okay, um, I was going to say because if, yeah. if it fired you up for the racing, maybe you know. See, that's what he's thinking about. That's where his head went. We should get it back on for Selgy P. Yeah, before long, you know that there's going to be a table tennis table, don't you? At Selgy P events. Or maybe not, because it didn't work out so well. It doesn't sound like it. That's a good shout, though, actually. But you know, as couples, you really, you know which buttons to press all the time. Yeah. And it's so easy to wind them up. We used to do that a lot, but um, we, we tend not to try not, I tend to try not to anymore. I'd say we don't anymore. We basically never argue anymore. Yeah, we don't. Yeah. You've got it all so out of your system. That's what happens. You get it all yeah. out of your system. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. That's, and you've got a distraction as well. <laughs> That's true. That's true. You've got a new distraction. <laughs> we do. Which you fundamentally have to agree it. over. Yeah. yeah, it's true. <laughs> Definitely. It's true. So I want to talk a little bit about the Olympics because, well, you three um, have all done at least three, I guess. I've done none. So I'd like to learn. Um, in terms of in terms of leaving that life behind, how big a how big a deal is it to do that? Because it becomes such a massive part of your lives. It's not like a sort of a, a job which sort of exists for sort of a 10-year period. I mean, it's like four years and then back to it again, and then another four years, then back. I mean, it's just completely exhausting, I would have thought, <laughs> having to peak at a particular time and then, you know, come down from that and then have to go again and the structure, the routine, everything that you need to put into one. Um, Hannah, probably you first of all, what was it like saying goodbye to the world of the Olympics? Yeah, hard, actually, much harder than I thought. Like, um, I thought Rio was probably going to be my last one and then for various reasons decided to do Tokyo and especially with the delay due to the pandemic of the games, I thought I'd be, you know, fully ready to say goodbye. But actually it probably took me about eight eight months or so to kind of get over almost the sadness of of saying goodbye to the Olympics. Because it's it it's so addictive. It's the most it's it's the most it, it's three years of incredibly hard work and stress and pressure. And then the final year has all of that, but is just amazing. You know, that build up to the games, the games itself is the most incredible thing to be a part of. So, yeah, to say goodbye and that's it is is re- it's really hard. It's really sad. It's like grieving for something almost. Um, it was it was not easy. Um, and actually, I, I potentially got asked to do it again recently to go for Paris as a sort of late campaign. But it, yeah, it took a lot to to think about it properly and say and say no. Wow, stop stop a second because you had retired. So when when did that happen? Uh like a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> Next wow. face when I told him. <laughs> so how did that yeah, conversation I'm turned, go? I'm glad you turned that down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ben's yeah, got a vested well. interest here. <laughs> so how did that how yeah. did that come about? Well, I think, um, you know, the class that I sail has gone mixed. So it used to be men and women split and a, a medal for each. And now it's gone mixed. So it's, it's slightly different, um, different thing. And, and in that class, you know, Ailey, who I had been sailing with, just she's actually just sort of stepped back for a bit from it. Um, and um, yeah, an opportunity came along that was, do you want to do you want to have a go? Because no one's really performing in that class right now. And I think we could be a really strong team and yeah you know it, I definitely you have to think about everything don't you before you just rule it out but um yeah I mean Nick was Nick was definitely not best please having just stepped back okay what was the conversation what was the conversation like between you two Nick what was your reaction when Hannah mentioned it? Uh, there wasn't much conversation <laughs> if I'm honest in life we're pretty good and understanding and you know, let's think about this what are the pros and cons you know let's not decide anything it was a flat no from me it was yeah it wasn't even a discussion it was just the, just so you're clear this is a no you're not you, uh, you can't do that which wow. she already Hannah, knew I didn't I have didn't to know. I didn't have to push it too hard she already knew that was the answer she already knew that she can shouldn't shouldn't do it she can do it of course she can do anything she wants but I don't think it was the right thing for her as a human being um, and why would you say that what leads that I think decision making I think it's to do it again would be completely and utterly based on an emotional drive towards the Olympic Games, which for me, she doesn't need to do. She's already got two Olympic gold medals and a silver medal. 
And she has opportunity now to do something really special, you know, with Ben and then alongside Ben with a lot of the sustainability stuff she does, which she absolutely loves. I mean, she absolutely loves it. Um, So as a partner, it's my job to make sure that she, to kind of help her steer her in the right direction because these emotional pulls come all the time in life. But um, I think, you know, we both knew that that's not the right thing for her to do and it's not the right thing for her happiness. I think it's just stepping back into an environment you know and you know you could do well and it is difficult when someone says, do you want to win another Olympic gold medal? You know, of course, most people would be like, yeah, okay, let's do it. But I I don't think it's the right thing. Yeah, it's really interesting that, isn't it? It's kind of chapters in your life. You're sort of looking at chap- different chapters in your life. Ben, when you, when you decided to quit after London 2012, what, what was that like? That was like a home games in front of a home crowd. How did that feel to sort of walk away from that then? Yeah, I guess it was, it felt, it felt quite obvious. It was obviously the right thing to do. I, I guess I'd always try to have a plan what to do after the Olympics. The first Olympics I went to, I'm sure it's the same for Nick and Hannah, afterwards you feel this emptiness because you've been training day in, day out for this thing for over four years probably, most of your adult life, and then suddenly it all stops. So after that, I always made sure that I had another focus to go straight into after the Games and after 2012, I had the America's Cup in, in San Francisco. So it was natural to sort of move on to that and then... Also, physically, I was really struggling with the boat that I was sailing in and had some back surgery and so on. So, yeah, it was it was still still a big decision. And I guess for me, I've always been quite good at compartmentalizing things like that and just sticking it to the back of the head. But then four years later, when it came round to Rio... You weren't very what, good at watching and it. And watching the racing. You then then it, then it suddenly sort of all came back yeah. to me and that was that was tough. Yeah. Right. Literally, I'd be like, let's watch this. Let's No, I don't want to watch it. <laughs> don't want to see it. Got no interest in watching it. It's like, come on. No, no, no. It's an emotional thing, isn't it? But Nick, how about you? Are you, are you the same as these two or are you different in your thinking <laughs> about waving no, goodbye to Olympics? I was absolutely done. I was out of there pretty quick and happy. Uh... It's really tough, Olympic campaigns. They're really, really, really tough. And I had done five Olympics, um, and I would have been 36 at the time. And for me, it was probably one too many mentally. Um, I personally don't like the person. Uh, I don't think I was the best version of me as an Olympic athlete. I think I was probably, you know, a little bit harsh at times and a little bit win at all costs. Um, and that's not really the person I aspire to be. Um, so it was nice to come away from it and actually take a different view on life. And, you know, it wasn't all about winning and you didn't have to just do whatever was required in life. It was quite a nice, refreshing way. So I look, I don't regret anything. You know, it's all fine. It's all great. It's amazing. But certainly coming out the other side and viewing life differently is, is quite refreshing. And the physicality of your sport, I mean, winter, I mean, unbelievably tough physically, the training, not just the competition, but the training you had to put in. What does that look like in training terms, Nick? Well, it's pretty much like any elite athlete. You you have all the, the physical stuff. So, you know, you train for maybe two to three hours out off the board a day. You know, whether that was, you know, two hours on the bike in the morning and then a, an hour in the evening, whether that was strength stuff or st- core stability stuff. Or, I mean, you'd be in the gym for something because somebody would say, you know, I'd say, well, will it help? And they'd say, yeah, it'll help. So then you just do it. And it wasn't all the time, you know, but a lot of the days you'd have these three session days, which were just brutal. And you do four of those and then you'd have a day off and you do another four and you'd have a day off. And then you progressively grind yourself into a hole and then you'd need, you know, four or five days off or you'd have an event coming up that you could taper into. Um, so it's the same as any elite athlete. You're training at maximum capacity and you don't have much uh, wavelength outside of sport. So I think, you know, life does suffer a lot. Um, but they are just part, they just come, it's, it's part of it. You get used to um, giving up other stuff. I'm not calling it sacrificing because I, th- I don't believe in sacrificing. You know, it's all decisions that you make. 
catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. But um, it's tough, really tough. Tough to do for that long. Yeah, yeah. And, and Hannah, from your side, like building yourself back up physically you know, to Singapore and then beyond, breastfeeding, Sienna at the same time and everything else that's going on around the edges of that physically. How, how's, how's that getting back on the boat? I mean, how, how, you know, did that period sort of work out for you in terms of your nutrition and your exercise and your training? How hard has it been? I mean, I know we're joking about the fact you're getting loads of sleep, but that's, that's, that's going to come and go, right? That's going to be in waves. So how do you manage that? Um, <laughs> two secs. Um, honestly, you just have to set expectations and, and make them not too high, basically, um, which I think I'm quite, I've learned, it's a skill I've learned to do, I think, over the years for various things is, is making sure you, you set realistic expectations of yourself and of, of everything around you. And that's definitely what, what we had to do. Um, you know, I definitely didn't arrive at Singapore having done physically everything I could to be ready at all because that just wasn't at all possible um and also with breastfeeding you know you have to be really careful with how much you do and um yeah. you know you're more prone to injury and, and all that kind of stuff so I definitely um I definitely was quite I made I actually under, I made sure I underdid it rather than overdid it in terms of getting back and feeling ready and, and I definitely went to Singapore with a really open mindset of if it doesn't feel right then I don't have to do this. Um, so all those expectations were kind of set at the right level, I think, for me. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's hard. It's just hard, isn't it? It's hard juggling everything and, and wanting to do the best job you possibly can at everything. Um, it's it's definitely a hard balance. and, and Yeah, you have to kind of take me. the pressure off a little, right? You have to take the pressure off I a think little. So. And like you say, just set expectations at a different place, maybe. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, otherwise, you just always feel like you're failing at everything. Mm. And that's really hard to, to deal with um, for anybody. So, yeah, set, set the right expectations and just be flexible. You know, she's going to have nights where she's not going to sleep. And um, we're going to have days where she just needs a lot of attention and all the time. And, and that's, that's, that's OK. Um, and just give myself a break a little bit and allow that to be OK. Yeah, that sounds pretty sensible. <laughs> She'll be on the boat before you know it. You realise that, don't you? She's already, been, she's already been on the boat. She's, already been on the boat. she's yeah. been on the boat already. Yeah. Has she really? Yeah, luckily. Oh. Not not on the water, luckily. Um, oh. But yeah, on land. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. In terms of coming back onto that boat with all the guys and, and sort of finding your place back in, the, back in the team and stuff, was that easy enough to do? Yeah. Do you know what? A lot easier than I thought. I was... You just have no idea. You know, no idea what the environment's going to be like, what people are going to be like. You know, as Nick said, it's a performance environment. And, you know, suddenly we're throwing a, a baby into that mix, which is not necessarily <laughs> performance related. So, yeah, but um, but I think, you know, I've been so lucky with CLGP and with Ben and, and the team, just how accommodating and open everyone's been to creating that environment that I feel like I can still perform as an athlete and get everything I need, but equally have the family and, and Sienna where she needs to be as well, which is just amazing. And, and there's there's so few um, sporting environments, I think, that that could, that could be done and people would be that open to. So I, I feel so, so lucky um, that we've managed to achieve that um, through so much support. Uh, 
you know, you know it's only the other day that I was reading there's a French offshore sailor who has been dropped by her sponsor because they don't think she'll be ready after having a baby to, to do the race in time. And you just think in this day and age in 2023, that's that's still happening when, you know, she's like, I'm 100% going to be ready. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd feel really lucky. Hannah, what's Ben like to sail on a boat with? I think we should move on. No, 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 no. People aren't going to be interested. No, in that. no, 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 no. Is, Some people will be about interested. Fa- this is about family. Some will. About, you know. I'm yeah. interested. What's he like? What's he like to sail with on a boat? Um, what is he like to sail with on a boat? Um, you can be very, honest. very honest. We're in a safe space. Are we? Are we? Okay. Yeah, there good. aren't too many people um, listening to this. Yeah. Uh, what's he like? He's intense, focused. Um, honestly just quite impressive to kind of watch sorry Ben this is going to be embarrassing but yeah quite impressive to kind of watch how he kind of gets into the right mindset for the racing and you know switches on and it's just cool to see any sports person who's incredible at what they do up close and and yeah I, I literally get to be right behind him so I'm, I'm right there so yeah it, it's it's very very cool to watch and witness um Obviously, there can be moments where there's a bit of uh, frustration and and anger, but I think uh, we all get like that, you know. We want to win. We're competitive and, and you know, racing's hard. So, um, yeah, it's just part of it. But, yeah, it's, it's very cool to see. Lots of people refer to him as the sort of Jekyll and Hyde character where he's sort of, you know, this very sort of gentlemanly-like behaviour off the water and then a sort of shark on it. I mean, you presumably have quite similar attributes, I'm mm-hmm. imagining. Is it, Nick, would you kind of describe Hannah in that way? Yeah, yeah. I <laughs> never understand how someone so kind, loving and caring can be such a weapon on the water. She is completely different. I would not like to race against Hannah. I really would. <laughs> ben, what's yeah. Hannah like to sell with? Let's flip it round. What's, what's she like to sell with? I mean, you know, yeah, well, she grew up watching you do what do what you do. So, what, what's it like having her alongside you now? Well, I think, like Hannah said, it's that you know, it's that mindset that that all sports people have, and it just depends, you know, how high um, certain people can can notch that up when it comes to the racing environment and and performing under pressure and Hannah you know is is incredibly impressive in terms of when she steps onto the boat she's totally focused on the processes and what's important in terms of getting ready for the race and then going through the race itself and making those key decisions and understanding especially when the pressure's on understanding what inputs appropriate and 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 when and that that takes a lot of experience and and but great. understanding of, of, of high-performance mindset to, to know when to, to, to input. But great individual talent doesn't always translate, does it, to great team talent? So how do you make that? So you guys as well, you'll know this, especially being you know from a single-handed sailing past. I mean, how do you make that transition where it's a bigger team now? It's a bigger thing that you're doing and you're doing it collectively together. So is there a... And I kind of... I think I, where I'm coming from is that the expectations you put on other people as well, because you're absolutely at the top of your game. You know, do you get disappointed if other people don't come up to scratch as you as you would expect them to? Or, you know, do you have to be more tolerant? I mean, how does that sort of play out on, on a SailGP boat? Hannah, maybe you go first. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, sailing in a team is hard for sure because your your expectations of yourself are like, you know, sky high. And definitely, you know, when you don't feel like other people in the team are necessarily doing that themselves or, or they're not performing to the level that you're, you're wanting them to, um, it, it, it's definitely hard. But um, I've certainly learned through my career that uh, everyone, you know, is a bit like this um, in terms of, you know, up and down and for various reasons, because there's outside influences on everybody um, affecting their, their level of performance. And so as a team, it's understanding that and it's helping in whatever capacity or putting the right things in place for each individual to be able to bring the level that they need to bring on the day. Um, and it's definitely, you know, it's about if something goes wrong in the race, it's having that um, having that mindset of, of what's next. You know, it's always a question of 
that's happened, what's next, how can we solve it, rather than dwelling on what's happened, blaming people and all of that stuff. It's all those, all those things that make a, a team successful. Um, and, and then for me, it's empowering people, you know, empowering individuals to own their role. And I think if someone's owning their role, then they're going to bring the best versions of themselves. That's a very good answer. Try and better that. I can't. It's absolutely, <laughs> as most, most times with Hannah, Hannah's, Hannah every now and about once a week just send me through some emails about thoughts about where things are going with different teams and, and other, other areas of focus. And she's, she's not, most of the time it's just a, one, one response, which is spot on, um, which, you know, it, she's got a total understanding of, of um, you know, the sporting environment and what it takes for a sports team to be successful. But that's right, it's about setting the, the right intensity for the team, mm-hmm. isn't it? Because there's no good just, you know, one person saying, right, well, we're going to operate at this level of intensity and, and nobody else can match that. And again, it's when things aren't going well, that's normally when it's tough, when people are getting frustrated and, you know, a good team are, or winning teams are, are those that can actually come through those periods and and hold the thing together and um and learn from the issues and and pull through to get get where you need to be so i think yeah hannah's i mean already having sailed with hannah now for a season you can see she you know she absolutely has those leadership capabilities and understands that's what it takes Nick, from your perspective as a coach on a sabbatical, but as a coach, um, what what is the best way to to get the best out of people, out of a team? I've tried all the techniques and there is no one way. Everyone's different, I think, is what I've learned. So for me, my squad was seven, four sailors, really, but they're all completely different and they all take completely different approaches from me to get the best out of them. Um, I think I started probably, this is what I'd want to hear. So this is what I'm going to, this is how I'm going to coach you. Or this is how I was coached. So this is how, what I'm going to do, but it doesn't work. And uh, I think the best, always the best way is just to, if you can gain their respect, then you're on a winner. And as soon as they start believing in you, and believing that you're 100% trustworthy and there to help in every way, then you get the best out of that person. But as soon as, soon as they question anything, it's, it can be quite hard. And of course, they should question stuff, but often they'll question things to the level where you just don't get through to them or they just don't have 100% um, confidence in what you're saying. And then you're up against it and then you have to break through on every level. Um, but occasionally it'll just click and something you've said works really well, and then you get their real buy-in, and they actually start to um, start to listen. That's the wrong word, wrong phrase, but they start to really trust everything you say. It's all about trust, and isn't it? It's what you just said. Yeah, it's, it's all, all about, about trust. trust. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Nick, Nick, I'm really because we don't have the right answers all the time. No. Sometimes you just have to ask the right questions. Nick, I'm really interested to hear when you went through to the coaching and and the process that that would have required. And then working with the different athletes, did yeah. you then think back to your own performance as a competitor and think, actually, there's a whole load of stuff I've learned here that if I went back and actually I had the fitness and so on, I could compete, that that would have helped you with a different, oh. slightly different mindset and approach to it. I don't know. Maybe not. I often look back, you know, having never won. Oh, your turn. <laughs> having never won. Uh, an Olympic medal, you know, having a bronze and two silvers and a fourth, I could easily always look back as, you know, I could easily look back on that career and go, oh, if only I'd just done a bit more there, if only I'd done a bit more there. If I, if in hindsight, I knew now, then what I knew now, could I do it? And I don't, I, I don't know the answer to that because sport is so, uh, it's just so crazy sport and the way things happen. And it's not that easy to just say, have I, had I done that, I would have won. Um, because sport is sport and the way it is. Do you seek, well, you must seek Nick's advice on stuff because you, you obviously are a couple and you do that all the time. But from a coaching perspective, do you seek his advice? How does he help you in yeah. that regard? Yeah, definitely. All the time. Like we, we, you know, we finished in Singapore, pretty frustrated about where we came and um, 
And, you know, we were immediately talking through everything that had happened on the race course, um, dissecting it and, and chatting it through. And, and it's so helpful for me to have Nick right there to, mm. to do at any hour of the day. Um, and, and he's always got a slightly different perspective on how things went down. So it's, yeah, always in the same, you know, with the Olympic sailing, we'd always talk through you know, the approach to a big competition and, and what you need during a week to, for a big competition. So, yeah, he's always been a really massive part of my extended coaching team, I guess. I can't help myself. <laughs> I'm, I'm debriefing Ben's decisions that he makes before he's even on the beach. And, uh, and Hannah and We've I got... talk about... I'm sorry, Ben, but we talk about every decision you make on the race course and... You know how, what that decision was, why you made, why you made the call, what were the what were the influences, what was going through your mind. Not just your, not just the mistakes, but you know all the good <laughs> stuff as well. And we talk about you know when could, when should Hannah input, when, you know what what's going through Hannah's mind, what information does she have that Ben doesn't. Have? We talk about everything, uh, and I find it really interesting. I think Hannah this finds good it news. really interesting. This is good news. You we've get got, two for the price got, of one here. We've got, we've got a fantastic coach in Rob Wilson. Now we've got two coaches. <laughs> but fantastic. yeah, we, we, we dissect everything. <laughs> Sometimes we even watch the, the biggest, racing afterwards. What, Nick, to, to date then, what is the biggest takeaway from that? Oh, uh, I'm not, I, I don't know. I think that there is a level of... Um, communication and trust that is evolving between mm. Ben and Hannah. I think that relationship will get better and better and better. I think the more confidence Hannah has in the boat and the more confidence Ben has in Hannah's uh, input, I think that they could be all not unbeatable. It's a very competitive uh, fleet. Uh, it's unbelievably competitive fleet, but I think that they can be better than they are. They have been in the past with uh, a better working relationship on the boat, and that's that. And that's just time. That that's not a, a criticism at how it is. That's it's just that is what is what's going to happen in the future. Well, we're at the start, aren't we? Yeah, at the start of the journey. Yeah. And on this journey, Hannah, one of the things that really matters to you um, passionately. Is, is the sustainability message and, and what you're doing in that area. Um, and Nick, from your perspective as well, like how has Hannah changed your world by being very sustainable in everything she does? She's quite annoying at times. <laughs> she picks up on everything because I'm naturally not quite as good as Hannah. So if I walk in with something that I shouldn't have or if I'm planning to do something that is maybe not the most sustainable... I get shot down pretty quickly. You have to have somebody yeah. in the family that's... Driving um, it. Driving it, it, yeah. Because otherwise we would all just fall back into our easy old habits. And it is a big deal. And Hannah is changing the way that we live our life. Um, and we just need more people doing it. How and does I think that, I, Hannah, I, I do the same manifest, to other people. How does, how does it manifest itself, though, on a day-to-day -day basis in your household? If I'm, get, I, if I'm to get better and learn from someone, teach me. <laughs> I think the biggest, the biggest thing <laughs> is like the easy wins. Yeah, there's the easy wins, Georgie, don't you worry. Um, and, and that's, uh, well, I mean, simple one, switching to renewable energy supplier, that's an easy one. But for, like how you live, it, we just, I just question, we just question, you know, if we're going to buy something, do we need it, actually? Do we really need it? Or can we buy it secondhand? Or is friend, a friend got it, we can, we can borrow it. You don't always need something new. And I think that's a really big one to change because it's so easy nowadays to just go on Amazon and click yes and buy it now. And we all do it, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying we don't. But yeah, it's just question. Do we need it? Or can we do it better? Or can we change how we do it? Um, and I think that's, that'll make a big difference. It is a perpetual challenge, isn't it, that's facing us? I mean, Hannah, put, put it into context. I mean, how big a problem do you believe right now we are facing in terms of, our, um, in terms of climate change and the way that the world is going? Um, I mean, it's, agrees. It's, it's, it's actually terrifying. I, like, I actually have days where I'm, I'm really, really down about it. And, 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 you know, Nick's very good at getting me out of that because it's, it's such, such a big 
problem that I just don't think people are realising quick enough at all. Yeah, it's, yeah, it, keep, it definitely keeps me up at night, that's for sure. Especially and, having and Sienna, you, actually. Yeah, I was going to say um, that because Ben and I had that conversation when um, he came back from a lecture. Do you remember that lecture he came back from, Cambridge University, and he came back in the worst mood ever, and it was before we'd had kids. And you were just so gloomy about the prospect of what life would be like for them moving forward. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we had that very real conversation about, you know, whether it was a responsible thing to bring children into into that world and into that environment. Is, is, that, is that in your mind too? Yeah, it definitely was. Um, 100% I thought, I thought about that um, for sure. Because, you know, I look at her now and I just think, God, what... What is the world going to be in 30 years' time? What are you going to have to deal with and face? And it's pretty terrifying. Um, yeah. But ultimately, we chose to have a baby. <laughs> um, and I guess I just hope that through education and support, we can, you know, she, she might be, add, add to the world. She might bring something to the world. Yeah, but Hannah, I mean, yeah. at least you're, you know, what, what you've done as a, you know, as an athlete and the voice that you have, getting out there and really standing for something, I think, you know, that is that's really admirable. So you're you're going about it the right way. And uh, like you say, just need more people to, you know, try and embrace that change and and focus on bringing technologies together that can really make a difference. And, you know, it's step by step. Do you do you um, feel the responsibility as an athlete, Hannah? I mean, a lot of people talk about this. Um, there's sort of... Um, you do, it's not just doing what you do out there on the sports field or, you know, on the ocean in your case, but do you feel that responsibility of being a role model? Oh, definitely, definitely, yeah. You know, we, we as athletes have a platform for various reasons to speak to media, to reach mass audiences. You know, I'm, I'm you know, not, not a huge profile. There's, there's many athletes that have a massive profile and, and using that platform for me is is critical and, and it's a huge responsibility that people need to sort of understand and um yeah it's something that I'm working on a bit in the background is trying to help athletes understand their their platform and and the responsibility that they can have in in fighting for these these causes that we care about it feels like everyone is definitely getting the message it's just a question of whether they're getting it quickly enough right <sighs> yeah I mean they're not Definitely, there's there's always a lot of slippery shoulders. Someone else's problem, someone else will solve it. But I think people, I think the language we're using is wrong about the climate crisis. You know, everyone's like, oh, we're saving the planet. Well, we're not saving the planet, actually. The planet's going to be totally fine. Um, you know, it's been through far worse than humans um, and, and come out the other side. So actually, we're fighting for ourselves and we're fighting for our future. And I think, you know, the more we can talk about it in that context, perhaps the more people will be galvanised to actually think, Oh God, this is this is me. I'm fighting for me and my family and society and everything. So yeah, I think we do need a bit of a language change. I think that's really interesting because that is, like you say, you, you in that moment you've just made it completely relatable to people in a way that perhaps they weren't getting before because it didn't, like you say, they couldn't work out how it directly impacted their lives in that regard. But the minute you change the language, suddenly, suddenly that's a that's a complete shift in in thinking about it because you suddenly start thinking well actually no it is my life it's my child's life it's you know all of our families I mean, you start you start being maybe you have to be a little selfish in your thinking in order to make a change exactly like you know you think oh melting ice ice caps and deforestation in the amazon and stuff it's all like yes obviously i care about that but it's not in my face right now affecting my life and so it's it's you know, start, I don't think that's necessarily enough to create the response that we need. You know, we need to be treating this like the biggest global emergency we've ever faced. And we're not, you know, we saw how quickly we reacted to the pandemic and how quickly things came into place and, and we did what needed to be done. Um, whether we did enough is a different story, but we did what we could do. And, and it's not the same for this emergency because... For whatever reason, I think it feels like it's tomorrow's problem or in the future, you know, it's it's not a now emergency. That's that's what I think a lot of people feel. Um, and so how we we change that narrative so that people do feel like it's a now emergency, I think is critical to whether 
to whether we we come out of it in the best shape we possibly can because I think you know we're gonna we're gonna feel the effects of climate change we already are so it's not really a matter of can we solve climate change it's more how bad is it going to be um yeah and how bad is it going to get before we do treat it as the emergency that it is on a more positive note performance tips moving forward in life and you'll notice that Nick went away for a short period of time and came back with a baby that is far more content and fast asleep. So there's a performance tip right in itself. Whatever you went and did, it totally nailed it. Um, Nick, give us a performance tip for people who want to improve their uh, everyday performance. Oh, as in life, performance. Oh, performance tip. Everything's, I don't know, you go first. Um, there's a few you could give. I guess, um, I think for me, when I'm performing to a high level, I put, you know, a good amount of pressure on myself to adhere to a routine um, about my day. I, th- I think we're both terrible when we don't have a routine. You know, we just flit around and... We're not that productive and we feel like we've wasted, you know, a morning or an hour or, you know, whatever it is. And we're just, I think that actually gets us quite down sometimes, doesn't it? And so when we actually put routine into our day and set set little targets um, that we're trying to achieve, just sim- something simple like that makes such a big difference to just how we feel about ourselves and how much we feel like we've achieved. And, and I know, um, you know, life's not about constantly achieving, but I think we all get those good endorphins and things from feeling like we have achieved so I do think that is a really important part of of living just a everyday life is is putting putting little little markers on what you want to do and and setting a routine okay um I think it for me it's all life is always about communication and at any point you just think oh no I'll, I'll just leave it that for that person to contact me or you know, I'll just wait or, you know, what's happening with this? I'm not really sure. Always just pick up the phone. Try not to send an email. Just pick up a phone or, you know, a text and be really, really on top of it because bad communication is just the death of everything. Productivity and expectation and disappointment. Relationships. Relationships (laughs) with people. Everything's just, you know, if you can nail your communication with people and be really proactive and be the person that reaches out, then always, it's always better. I'd completely agree with that. Nailed it. <laughs> Guys, thanks so much. I mean, that that was that could have been a nightmare and it wasn't at all. It was lovely because Sienna behaved like a true trooper, a total performance. She was a real baby. star, I think. Yeah. That's show. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, guys. Pleasure. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Well, that was a seriously interesting Are chat. you now going to tell me that you're going to give it all up and uh, come on the road? Road to where? The road to the office in Wimbledon? <laughs> nah. Sorry, isn't going to happen. But I'm, I mean, I'm in awe of Nick. Yeah, I really am. And, and also the, the, the trust that they have between one another. What a great couple. And, uh, you know, Hannah's able to come back so quickly after having baby Sienna and Nick supporting that. And... You know, they're out there doing it together. Yeah, it is seriously impressive. In this world of equal opportunities, it's still rare to come across a guy who's a competitive guy like he is. Um, And he's prepared to give all that up and go on the road with her and and live that version of their dream rather than have the dream job that he talked about previously. And maybe he'll go back to it, of course, in the future. But for the moment, they're very focused on that. But yeah, it's how refreshing is what I would say. I'm sure he will. And very selfless and brave. It is indeed. (laughs) Said all the right things. Thank you for listening and or watching. This has been Performance People. We are Georgie and Ben Ainsley. And remember, from what we've learnt today, communication is important, as is trust. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.